So uh, we are going to start a new uh, sermon series. Last month, I really felt like the Lord had put on my heart that I really want to engage you guys, and I really wanted to encourage you guys to take your prayer lives to the next level this year. And here's why. It's not just because um, I want you to pray more and because the Bible says to pray and all those, you know, those good things. But I really believe that God has some things in store for us. I really believe, and, I, and I've already been hearing it you know, today as even Chuck was kind of encouraging you, and I believe that was a word that the Lord was putting on his heart, is that God wants to do some miraculous things in your lives. But God wants more than just to you know, be that kind of fast food, you know, when we need something from him that he, he delivers type of thing. God wants relationship with you. And you know what? This world is doing everything it can to try to drown out his voice, right? This world is doing everything it can to weigh you down, to make you busy, to stress you out so that you have no time for God. And yet it, it's, it's almost, it makes zero sense because why would we have no time for the very one who can breathe life back into our situation? who can literally raise the dead, who can heal the sick, why would we not want to plug in to the very one who can take whatever it is that we're going through and he can get us through it? But yet we seem to just drown out his voice. So I really want to continue to encourage you, even though we're not going to be talking about prayer, I'm not going to be preaching on prayer anymore, I really want to encourage you guys that, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is your prayer life is already at, I'm encouraging you to press in. I'm encouraging you to take it to another level. I'm encouraging you to have that attitude of praying without ceasing, of never stopping, of even as you're going about your day and, and even as you're walking, you know, and, and driving and whatever it is that just the Lord is on your mind and you just continue to throw up those little conversations to him. Because he wants that. He desires that. He created us. He created us to have and, and need relationship with him. And I love how Melissa even started our morning off by saying, you know, she's got Rod in her life. But you know what? No matter what person you may have around you, that there's only a limit to what they can give back to you. But God is unlimited of the love that he can, that it, that he can bestow upon you. The, the, you know, the relationship that, that you so desire in people and, and, you know, the demands that we put on other people and we need from other people, it's unlimited in God. So why don't we go to him more? So this month, uh, and actually even into next month, we're going to talk about the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit. And it uh, starts in Galatians chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles uh, with you or your Bible apps, uh, on your phone, if you want to go to Galatians chapter 5, uh, one of my uh, favorite Bible apps is, is Blue Letter Bible, if you don't uh, have one. And what's the other one? I know there's a popular one. version. You, version. You version, uh, Blue Letter Bible, if you need a good Bible app on your phone, what's awesome is they got daily devotions and, and all kinds of things. You can put several translations uh, side by side so you can look if you're a new King James you know, or even if you're a King James, anybody still read King James in here? I'm going to be very impressed. Wow. Okay. Jaime is still into the, into the King James. That's amazing. Um, I usually, uh, personally, I usually read the new King James because uh, that's how I grew up. 
but I usually like to preach out of the New Living only because it just reads, it reads so easy, it kind of flows. So uh, but we're going to look at Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to, uh, for the next few weeks, talk about the fruits of the Spirit. But before we go there, I want to read this scripture to you, Luke 9.23. Luke 9.23, and then he, that being Jesus, said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. You see, all of us are, are trying to have or trying to live what we call a Christian life, right? We're all trying to be Christians. The Bible uh, doesn't necessarily refer to us uh, always as Christians, uh, as, but more as disciples. We are all disciples of Christ. That means, that means we, we you know, are learning from him and we desire to, to emulate him and, and act like him and do what he did. We are disciples of Christ, but we've kind of called ourselves Christians but what does that mean? What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to walk daily in this idea of being a disciple of Christ? And, and, and Paul, uh, the apostle, writes to the uh, Galatians, and he kind of gives them an idea. And, and, and really starting from this point of what Jesus said, that if anybody, listen, if you desire to be a follower of Christ, you know what you first need to do every morning? Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow him. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. That's a very selfless act. See, it's natural in our flesh to want to be selfish. That means when I wake up in the morning, I instantly start writing down my own demands of what I need, and I need coffee. That's usually what I need, the first thing. I need coffee, right? I need a shower, you know, whatever. I need, whatever it is that you do your, you know, ritual. I need to do these things. And please don't talk to me uh, in the morning. You know, do not talk to me until you've seen me have a couple cups of coffee already. You know, very selfish, very, you know, all about me and what I need. And don't, you know, you know. And instantly, it's just, our day just starts to kind of flow like that. And then you get, you get on the freeway. Now, I don't know about you, but driving in Southern California is the most frustrating thing ever. And I think it will test the most, the strongest of Christians. And here's why, all right? And I'm just going to go ahead. There is, there is what... And I don't know what happened, why this, has been, this rule has been thrown out. But did you guys know there's something called the fast lane? Right? There's something called the fast lane on the freeway. Now, I enjoy the fast lane because I enjoy driving fast and I enjoy getting around people. But you know what drives me nuts? Is when I get in the fast lane and some slowpoke from the very far right lane comes all the way over and drives 55 miles an hour right in front of me. It blows my mind. It's like they literally, they come all, they fly all the way over, they get in that lane, and then they just, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to literally blow a gasket. It tests me all the time. It tests my faith. I, I, I have to repent a lot after driving. But there's this constant, you know, pull on my flesh to want to do and, 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 you know, what the desires of my flesh and not necessarily what the Spirit says. There's this, uh, there's this old story, and to be honest with you, I'm not exactly sure where the story comes from, but I, I've heard the story 
uh, many, many times. I believe it is a um, Native American story, but it's a really, really great one. The story goes like this, that there's a, a father and, and, a, and a son. And the son, they're out hunting together. And the son, um, you know, asks his father, says, Father, I need to tell you something. He says, there's a war going on inside of me, and I need your help. And the father says, okay, son, like, explain to me, what, what's this battle that's going on inside of you? And he says, it's, it's like this. It's like two wolves. Two wolves. One, one's a good wolf and, and one's a, a, a bad wolf. And they're just constantly fighting each other. And sometimes, Father, the good wolf wins. And then there's other times, Father, that, that the bad wolf wins. And it just seems like it's this daily battle, this daily battle. L- what should I do? And this is what the, the wise father says to his son. He said, you feed the one. Feed the one that you want to win. You feed the one that you want to win. Basically, you starve the one that you need to kill. And it's interesting because that is such a perfect picture of what's constantly going on in our lives. Amen? This constant battle. Let's, let's get into uh, Galatians a little bit. But let me kind of explain to you what's going on because I'm not going to read the entire chapter even though I recommend reading, uh, well, all of Galatians. But really go and read Galatians chapter 5. Paul is just hitting the nail on the head on this one. I mean, he's coming right at us uh, uh, and talking to us about how we should live. Um, <clears throat> in the first part of chapter 5, Paul addresses two issues, okay? The first part, is he's addressing two issues. The first one is this false teaching uh, that now that we are saved, we can do whatever we want, right? There was this kind of this attitude that, well, you know, when you're saved, you are freed from sin and you're, all your sin has been forgiven. And there was this idea of, oh, wow, that's basically like a, a free ride to do whatever I want, right? Because if I just, I, I, I do something and I can go continue to do that and I just ask God to forgive me. And it's just kind of like this, you know, the perfect situation. And Paul's going, whoa, no, 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 no. This isn't a freedom to do sin. This is a freedom from sin. It's a freedom from the bondage of sin. So Paul first addressed that. Then the second one is that there were these Christian Jews, and these Christian Jews were trying to bestow their old laws and traditions upon these new Christians. So there was these new uh, uh, Gentile Christians, and they didn't necessarily have a Jewish background, and, and the Jewish, uh, Jewish Christians were saying, no, no, you need to abide by all of our laws too. And Paul was going, whoa, 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 wait a second, wait a second. We're not, not only are we freed from these laws, but Jesus is the fulfillment of these laws. These laws are now unnecessary because of Christ. And so don't try to think that it's, if you live by all these rules and regulations, that that's also going to save you. So Paul's kind of, he, he's trying to bring the pendulum back in the middle. They were swinging it too far, you know, in one direction or another. And Paul was saying, listen, we live, you guys, by grace. We live by mercy, but we also live by the salvation of Jesus Christ. So let's not use that to just do whatever we want, but let's also not live by such a rigid, strict you know, law-abiding society that, that what happens is we start heaping burdens upon people that they just they can't keep. It's impossible. So Paul also talks about the greatest commandment in this chapter that, that Jesus had said. 
The greatest commandment is what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And the second, which is, Jesus says is just as important, is what? Love your neighbor as yourself. If you abide by this law, this rule, he said, listen, Paul's saying, if you want to abide by one of the laws, then let's go to the greatest commandment of all. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Because by loving the Lord your God and by loving your neighbor, you're basically, you're abiding by all the laws, all the rules, all the, you know. So let's actually read uh, Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your uh, good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. How many of you remember that, that famous, those famous cartoons, you know, whether it was Mickey Mouse or, or um, you know, what, whatever it was, and there's always the little angels and the demon, right? There's the angel on one side, and the angel was telling them to do good, and then there was a little demon on the other, and the demon's, oh, no, do bad. You know what I mean? It, it's funny that even cartoons kind of depicted what really is a daily struggle in our lives. And, and Paul is actually addressing it, and Paul's even putting a face to it, and he says, listen, there's your flesh, and there's the spirit. You can only choose one. You can't live in, you know, both. You can't have one foot over here and one foot over there. You gotta pick one. And Paul's saying, listen, live by the spirit. Live, let the Holy Spirit guide you, because if you are allowing the Holy Spirit to guide your life, then what can't you do? You can't live in the flesh. Verse 19, verse 19 in Galatians chapter 5. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. So here he goes. Paul just lists them out. And this is going to be tough. We're going we're to go through and go, oh my gosh. Oh dear Lord. The results are very clear. Sexual immorality impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling. Oh, I'm, there it is. I'm gone. I'm out. Jealousy. Boom. Out again. Outburst of anger. Oh, my gosh, Paul. Selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. He, Paul goes, listen, I can't even list them all, all these crazy desires of the flesh. But let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Listen, this is tough. This is really, really tough. But Paul's saying, listen, do you want a full life? If, if, do you want a life full of blessing? Do you want a life, you know, where, where you're feeling like things are finally going, you know, your way? And Paul is saying, then don't live like this. I'm, he's just warning you. Don't live like this. Because this only leads to destruction. This only leads to eventual death. So it gets better. Paul, Paul finally picks it back up. Verse 22. 
but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruits in our lives. And he lists them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified him there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become uh, conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. You see, Jesus died. He was buried. After three days, he conquered death. He came back and he, and he showed himself to his disciples. But then Jesus does something that really everyone's a little confused about. He leaves. Jesus leaves. That's why he's not here, you know, necessarily walking around. And that's why we don't see him. He says, listen, I go and I go sit at the right hand of the Father. But listen, do not worry. Do not worry because I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you the helper. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And anyone who believes in me, you will have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. In fact, it's really, if you think about it, you know, what Jesus was doing was, was just perfect. Because if Jesus was still on earth trying to do all these miracles and trying to do all these things, we would just all sit back and we would just let him go around the whole world and just do his thing. But Jesus is like, no, I want you to be a part of this. I want to build my church, which, by the way, isn't brick and mortar. It's people. It's flesh and bone. Jesus wants to use you. He wants us to be his hands and feet. He wants us, us to be his mouthpiece. But he says, listen, I realize it's not going to be easy. So I send you the Holy Spirit. I send you the helper. And each and every single one of you have the spirit living inside of you. So you can't say, oh my gosh, this is too hard. All you have to do is say, Holy Spirit, guide me. Holy Spirit, show me in this situation because I cannot do it on my own. I can't do it in my own flesh. If I was to try, then I would fail every single time. I need you, Holy Spirit. So I want to first look, we're going to kind of, uh, as the weeks go on, I want to take a look at some of these fruits of the Spirit. This is how we know that the Spirit is living inside of us. This is how we know that we are daily picking up our cross and daily dying to our flesh. Because if we're doing that, then these are the fruits that you'll see in your life. And the first one I want to look at, of course, is love. Love, right? All you need is love, right? But what is love? And I'm going to be honest with you, I think the world doesn't have it right. I think the world has kind of turned it into something that it's not. And, and I'm going to talk about that. But I thought it was interesting in the New Living Translation, love occurs 575 times in the Bible. But I want to look at this one passage because it really explains love. 1 John, 1 John. 1 John chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 7. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. 
For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him, and he lives in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who confess that Jesus, the Son of God, uh, uh, that Jesus, Son of God, have God living in them, and they live in God. We now know, uh, we now how much, sorry, we know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear. Because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love a God whom we cannot see. And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. So let's look at love. Let's look at this. I just have five points and and I'm going to finish here. But the first one is in verse 7. Love comes from God. If you want to make a note right here, verse 7. Love comes from God. We can only learn what true love is by spending time with the one love emanates from. If you want to experience and you want to know what true love is, then spend time with the God who is love. He is the only source of it. So if you want to know true love, if you want to experience true love, if you want to understand this concept of love, if you want to be someone who loves more, or if you want someone you know, to be loved more, then spend time with the God of love. He is love. It's in his nature. Number two, if love comes from God, the verse eight also says God is love. If God is love, then why do bad things happen to good people? Have you ever heard that question before? If, this, if he's such a God of love, why do bad things happen to good people? Why, why does he have so many rules? Why does he discipline us? And here's why. Here's some of my answers. And this is where I think we've got it wrong as a culture. Love is not a feeling. Love is not an emotion. We've turned it into an emotion, and it's not. It's more than that. In fact, by turning love into just a pure emotion, you actually take away so much of what it truly is, and it's wonderful. Love is not an emotion. 
you understand this concept as, as a parent or, or as, as you know, a, a grandparent or as an aunt and an uncle, someone, you know, you, you, you have ch- children in your life that you love. You understand this concept of loving them no matter what, and you understand the concept that, that if they're about to harm themselves, that you are going to stop them, right? That you are going to stop them. If my little two-year-old walks up to the stove while it's on and she goes to reach in to touch you know, the burner, you better believe I'm going to smack her hand. Does it mean I hate her? No, it means I love her. It means I want her to learn, don't touch that. That will hurt you. That will burn you. That's love. You know, I, I, I heard this, this concept, you know, someone said, well, I don't want to shame somebody. There's this, this new word being thrown around about shaming people. And I understand where it comes from because I do believe that, that you can shame somebody by, by pulling somebody in front of a big group and, and completely humiliating them. I understand the concept of shaming. But let me also tell you the concept of discipline. God loves you so much, he will discipline you. In fact, the Bible says that the Lord disciplines those he loves. So if you're being disciplined by God, guess what? He loves you. If you're not being disciplined him, guess what? He doesn't love you. If you're being disciplined by God, it means that he loves you. It means that he cares for you. It means that he's trying to save you from something. He's trying to save you from walking off the ledge. He's trying to save you from destruction. He's trying to save you from burning your hand on the burner. So let's, let's, let's kind of get away from this, this thing. Well, I, you know, I, I don't want to feel bad. Well, some, sometimes love isn't a feeling, and sometimes it means correcting, course correcting. And there's nothing wrong with that. Number three, real love is sacrificial. Real love is sacrificial. Verse 10, he first loved us. While you were a sinner, while you were doing, you know, whatever it is that you were doing that you shouldn't have been doing. It's interesting because um, my, uh, my drama teacher uh, here at Buena Park High School is retiring this year. And, and they're putting together all these, these videos. And one of my friends has been sending me these clips of, of me as a teenager. And boy, am I obnoxious. I am obnoxious. And to be honest with you, I kind of started going back at my time here and realizing, man, I, there was, I was, you know, messed up, man. I was really, really messed up. I'm not saying that I was like a terrible person uh, to be around, but I definitely had, you know, a lot of things going on in my life then, and I definitely did a lot of terrible things. But even in that stage of my life, even in that obnoxious teenage years, God still loved me. He still died for me. He never gave up on me. You see, I want to help you with your thinking. Don't think that, okay, once I get to this place, then God will really love me, and then, then God will really bless me. No, he already loved you. He already loved, he knew you before you knew him, and he loved you way before you ever loved him. That's what real love is. And let me explain to you, if you're in relationships with people, true love is not expecting anything back in return. That is sacrificial love. That is what true love is. That when I go and I love somebody or I do something for somebody that I am not expecting a thing back. 
For those of you husbands and wives or those of you in relationships, can I tell you, that'll be a lifesaver. That will be a marriage saver. That if you just love without expecting anything back. Because the minute you put expectation on it, you're going to be let down. I'm just telling you right now. Because we are all imperfect people. But there is a perfect God who will never let you down. That you can always trust in. That you can always trust to be there. Love is sacrificial. Number four, when we love, we let people see God. Verse 12. When we love, when we are are, are loving people, when we are serving other people, that is when God is, is seen. You know, some people say, how can you believe in an unseen God? How can you do it? You know, you're just putting your faith into, you know, whatever. But see, when I start to act like him, when I start to emulate Christ, when I start to, you know, go out and actually love people as, as, as Christ loved people, guess what? There he is. Ah, there's your God. Now I see him because I see him in you. And you ever been told that you look like your, your mom or your dad? You know, oh, wow, you know, I, I get told that sometimes. Oh, you look like your dad. Oh, you walk like your dad. Oh, you talk like your dad. That's what people should be saying about us. Wow, you look like your heavenly father. Wow, you love like your heavenly father. Wow, you talk like your heavenly father. Wow. Number five, and this is my last point. Love drives out fear. Love drives out fear. I don't know about you, but I, I, I live, I'm, I'm almost done, you guys. I'm almost done. People nowadays, and I, I feel it myself, we live in such a high level of anxiety. And you guys feel that? You guys just feel, it almost feels like it doesn't go away. You know, just this constant level of anxiety, constant level of stress, constant level. Well, what is it? You know, and ultimately what it is, is it's fear. But the Bible says that love casts out all fear. That truly, if I'm putting my trust in God, what is it that I have to be afraid of? What is it that I'm fearing? If I say, God, I'm trusting you with my life. I'm trusting you that you're going to take care of me. I'm trusting you that you're going to love me. I'm trusting you that you're going to forgive me the next time I mess up. Then where is this anxiety coming from? Listen, with love comes trust. If you truly are going to say that you love God, then the following phrase needs to also, God, I trust you. I trust you. See, that's also what you know, a relationship or a marriage, you know, consists of. It consists of the two people trusting each other, that the other one's going to be there for, you know, the other one. Never worrying if God is angry at me. True love is not worrying if God is, is ready, you know, to just throw a lightning bolt down, Then you know, the minute I mess up. You know, trusting. And never worrying if I'm going to lose my salvation. Never worrying of like, oh my gosh, is this the one, is this the one where God's gonna say, I give up on him? Ah, oh, forget it. You know, that's it, Matthew. You did it one too many times, buddy. You're out. That's not the God of love. That's not who he is. And you need to know that. And you need to understand that your salvation is secure. As long as you are, are da- as long as you are daily picking up your cross as long as you are daily dying to your flesh, then your salvation is secure. Your salvation is secure. Will you bow your heads and
close your eyes with me as we, as we just close our time? I think as a culture, as a society, we really struggle with love. We all desire to be loved. We all desire to be, you know, to have somebody that we can trust that's not going to hurt us. We all desire, you know, to love somebody, to give our love to somebody. But let me tell you this first. Before we go look for it in the world, my challenge is to you to start with the one who is love. Start with that relationship. Go to that relationship first. Because that's the love that you can trust in. That's the love that you can count on. That's the love that will never leave you nor forsake you. You see, God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. See, the Bible says this, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we will be saved. That's it. That's all we have to do to have a relationship with the God of love. That's all we have to do. And remember, he loved you even before you loved him. He loved you even in your sin. He loves you no matter what, just like a father to a child, just like how much I love my girls. There's nothing they can do to get me to stop loving. So I have one question for you. If you have never, ever experienced this God and his love, and you so desire to have a relationship with him, and you would even say, yeah, I need him to take away this sin that just continues to ensnare me. And you would say, you know what? I want to live that life where I daily am picking up my cross, that I'm daily, you know, crucifying it, that I'm daily walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. If you would say for the very first time that you would like to have a relationship with the God of love, will you just simply slip up your hand and say, you know what? Today's the day. I'm not going to run anymore. I'm not going to be looking for love in all the wrong places anymore. Great. And for the rest of us, for the rest of us, just while everyone's heads bowed, while everyone's eyes closed, will you just allow God to love you right now? Just allow him to pour his love upon you that he cares for you, that he has a plan for your life, a plan for good and not for evil. He wants to bless you. He wants to heal you. He wants to walk with you every single day. Will you just let God love you? And will you stop allowing the world to drown out his voice? Learn to take those moments where you just quiet everything else and say, okay, Lord, 
okay, Lord, I'm here. Here I am. Come, be with me. Come, speak to me. One of my prayers and one of the things I say daily is, Lord, thank you for loving me. And Lord, I love you. It's just almost a daily mantra that I say every day. Lord, thank you for loving me. And I love you. Pray that you would make that yours. Father, thank you for this time together. Lord, continue to show us your love. And Lord, continue to use us, your church, to show your love to the world who desperately needs it. In Jesus' name, amen.